Recorded from the GSB, welcome to Real Talk. Keeping it real about the GSB's MSX program right from the horse's mouth. In the words of current students, for future and prospective students. I am your co-host, Jamal Madney, a recovering Boeing tech strategist turned entrepreneur. And along with my co-host, Maya Deer, a former Wall Street master turned entrepreneur, we are thrilled to be here. Thanks, Jamal. Really excited about today's episode. Our guests today are Rovimbo and David, who have had uh, great careers before coming to the GSB and are, uh, have explored search funds. And so our theme today is search funds. Rovimbo started as an actuary and moved into general management at the biggest insurance company in Africa, is now pursuing an entrepreneurial journey and is moving to Australia, down under. And Dave worked uh, for 11 years at Goldman Sachs and was in risk management and analytics for the private equity group in their investment management arm. So thank you both for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, awesome. So first question, guys, you know, Dave, you had this long run at Goldman, Ruvimbo, you had this incredible career in Africa. You know, why the MSX program this year? What were you specifically looking for? And why not just kind of stay in your successful careers and, and keep moving? So I think for me, one of the big considerations, I think I looked at what my future held and I could see a path. Um, or alternate parts, but I wanted to have a lot more options. I had moved out of technical actuarial roles into general management, but I knew that I still found it difficult to sell myself as a general manager outside of insurance or other roles which would traditionally have actuaries working in them. So the GSB was a way for me to, I think, firstly, expand my general management toolkit, become better as a general manager, and be able to sell myself as a general manager, as an operator outside of that. And that's actually exactly what I got. So I managed to rebrand myself from being an actuary who was doing general management work to being a general manager who also happened to be an actuary. And that big difference is quite important because it determines what opportunities are open to you. And I think also, and we'll get into it, the idea that I could do something entrepreneurial as well, which really is something that was born from my time at the GSB. Fantastic. Uh, you can see why Ruvimbo is, is here in the MSX program. She's an incredible individual. Uh, I, I, I really agree with a lot of what Ruvimbo said. I would take and add maybe a little bit of a personal element to my response as well, which is, when I started my career at Goldman, I was young. I got married shortly after I started my career there. And my professional ambition was kind of unfettered based off of, uh, or, or I guess wasn't limited as much by my personal life and personal circumstance. And as that changed over time, the professional journey was still continuing, but didn't allow for as much flexibility on the personal front as much as I would have liked. And so if I was to really sum it up, there were a couple of really big life events that happened for me and my family. And since this is a real talk, we'll really get into it. We had our second child and two months later, my wife's brother passed away unexpectedly from an opioid overdose. And that set into motion a series of decisions for us. Uh, my wife was actually working for Goldman at the same time as well, and we made some very big life choices. She left the firm, and it really shed a light on how 
unhappy I was and I was not achieving harmony at work. And that was overflowing into how I was at home and in my personal life as well. And it made it made us really rethink where we were going. And we had a great path ahead of us at Goldman, fantastic firm with a lot to offer. But when I really sat down and thought about it, it didn't offer the complete picture of what I wanted as I put it together with my personal life and my professional life. And so we looked at different opportunities that would open that door for future options down the road. And the MSX program seemed to fit that the best of all that was out there. And uh, I think that was a real big reason as to why we thought about making that change and pursuing something else. Uh, And it really came down to, do you continue on a path of specialization where you have a little bit, um, a little bit, a lot less control on where things are going, or do you take a pause reevaluate the landscape, develop some additional skills, and then focus on what other opportunities might lie uh, in the future. A little bit of a, a different approach to it, but um, you know, definitely a huge personal element, element into that story for me and my family. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Dave. That's, that's wow. So I guess my question to, now, to both of you now is, um, you had thought about different exploring different things while at the GSB. Dave, I know you are continuing to explore, and one of the things you did look at was search funds. I'm not sure where exactly you stand on it, so maybe you can talk a little bit about it. Rovimbo, I know you did the same after looking at different options and decided to go ahead and pursue a search fund. So can you both talk to, first of all, I don't think I knew what a search fund was until I came here. So maybe you can talk a little bit to our audience about what a search fund is. Yeah. Your choices and paths and decisions around that. Yeah. Remember, do you want to give a quick summary of search fund or you want me to take that one? I'll take it. Okay. So search fund is, is a really interesting fund that is set up for a entrepreneur who would like to run and operate a business, but might not necessarily want to start something from scratch, would like to operate and work with something that's already in place. And the model is centered around identifying a talented individual or pair of individuals who are going to search over a predefined period of time, which is usually two years, for a target company to acquire with investor capital that they will then step in and run and operate going forward uh, until a future exit down the road. Overall goal is to work with a business that's already functioning, um, really sits within a, a range of, you know, a million dollars or so in EBITDA, maybe around $10 million of revenue basically has an infrastructure built out um, more often than not has been built by someone who's looking to pass along the reins to someone who can really take care of their business and run or operate it the way that they've cared for it, but might not have a son or daughter in the family or someone to pass that along to. So you become uh, that next generation that can continue to build and develop their legacy. And it really provides an oper- oper- opportunity for an operator to step in, roll up their sleeves, and run and operate a business and get that management experience that they're looking for, um, while also having a bit of an upside reward in building a business and seeing it taken to exit. So that'd be my quick summary. Remember, if there's anything you want to add and, and flesh out on that, please feel free. I think that that is a very good summary. I think what I will add on the personal front is 
coming to the GSP, one of the first things that you start to learn is identify what you are really, really good at and what you enjoy. And the last few years working in general management, I knew it was building up companies. It was seeing companies grow. That's what excited me. That's what got me passionate. Then the next question that you ask yourself is how do you leverage what you are really, really good at, in my case, to open doors to new areas or to new opportunities? And um, one of the things I was considering was maybe working with a private equity company where you are actually helping them to grow their businesses within their portfolio. And as I started to think about that, I think the concept of search fund I had seen as I was just looking through the Stanford GSP website. But in one of my classes in winter quarter, we actually got two female searchers um, and they just bought a company and they came to talk about being female, being within the search fund space and the fact that the space had very little diversity. So I think just trying to understand that. And as they began to talk about the experience and their journey, I became a lot more interested and realized that this was an opportunity for me to do what I loved, which was grow small businesses and be operational, but also be entrepreneurial. So take on slightly greater risk for an expected greater reward, whilst you, you literally are the one who's driving your future and um, you take on more risk and see where it can take you. So search fund really is attractive to me because it's what I love to do for the majority of it, which is grow a business. And it gives me greater exposure to the upside. And search funds are also unique in that they, you are protected to an extent from the downside. So whilst when you start a startup or something else, you don't always know if there is product market fit. And so a lot of startups actually fail. If you manage to go as far as purchasing a business within the search fund model, you already have product market fit. You have a team of investors who also become mentors who help you run that business. And really the sky is the limit in terms of how far you can go. So it seemed to me like a really attractive position. The one thing that made me pause and think and maybe Dave, you can also talk to this. I think the search period is a two-year period where you are running on limited capital. So if you're coming, if you've left a good paying job and you've raised a search fund, what you get paid is probably significantly less than what you would get if you found a, a job in the market. And that's a huge consideration that I had to think about. And I think a lot of people who are thinking of search funds have to seriously consider and because of it sometimes search might not work um, for an individual yeah so i think uh i'll, I'll add some perspective on that as well i think Rivimbo is exactly on point the search is a really interesting you know fund structure it's a really interesting process and you know Rivimbo hit on really one of the key considerations you've got to think about as you make a decision about a search fund as I was in the early stages of speaking with individuals about a search fund and their experience, it was explained to me really well uh, by one individual that I knew uh, prior to GSB. And he said, look, a search fund, running and operating a search fund is like two different components. It's like running for president and then being president. There's two different muscles there that you've got to exercise. And you might be really, really good at running for president, but maybe not so great at being president or vice versa. And 
really the search really goes in order. Like you have to search to find a company and that process can be daunting, challenging, lonely, uh, very individual. And there are a lot of different factors to consider as you go through that process. One of the things that I also looked at was working with other funds and groups that try and help alleviate or enhance that search process as well. And there are a couple that are out there that exist, including Peters and Partners, who brings together a cohort for the year and tries to build a little bit more community for a pool of searchers to help them be you know, a little bit accountable to one another, to share some best practices, as well as gain some training on the search process. Uh, you know, I think the natural thought for anyone looking at a search fund is, oh, like, I don't need to do a two-year search. I can get this done in a year, cut down on that time frame, et cetera, et cetera. But the more you look at it, the reason why it works out to be two years is it's a lot of work. It takes a, a lot of time and effort to go through it. And also for you as an individual, I think, to prepare to take on that deal and close a deal. There's, there's just many, many factors that go into it. It isn't as simple as well, there's all these companies out there that I can just select one and move on. There's a real process on identifying the right company, the right fit, and making sure that you're actually comfortable to pull the trigger. And it, more often than not, that takes a year plus for individuals to get to that point. And so I think there's a lot of different interesting aspects out there that flow into the search fund model from working with a cohort, working with a fund that brings people together to really identifying, is that search process going to work well for you? Guys, that was a fascinating overview. I, that's maybe the best overview uh, I've heard of search funds. I think the two of you need to talk think about, you know, taking on a class, you know, in the future. That was terrific. And sort of in this spirit of learning, you know, obviously MSX is kind of a year of the unexpected, but what were kind of specific classes and experiences that you guys found particularly impactful on the learning side? You know, maybe kind of one or two each from each of you. So actually at the end of summer quarter, I met with my coach. So the MSX program does give you a coach if you would like to use one. And I talked about what I wanted to do and what it was is become a better manager, become a better general manager position myself for taking a CEO role in a significant organization. Um, but I told them, look, I'm also at the GSB and there is so much talk about everything else from VC to private equity to entrepreneurship. And I was thinking, let me come, let me first do what I came here for. And then when I, by the time I get to the spring quarter, I'll kind of see what else is there and kind of dabble. And he actually gave me some pretty good insight. And he said, Start by exploring. So start by exploring a number of different things and see what you like. And open yourself up and say, yes, I came with general management in mind, but I'm actually open to a lot, a host of other options. So at the beginning of the winter quarter, I actually went really heavy on entrepreneurship. I took Fern's class, Entrepreneurship from Diverse Perspectives, and she literally just talks to founders and entrepreneurs who don't come from the more dominant profiles, but maybe they are women or they are people who might not necessarily be American or who for some reason don't, are not underrepresented when it comes to successful founders, we know. Then I also took Startup Garage and we did this together with Maya and the process of actually doing a startup from scratch, thinking up an idea and putting it together. So 
that quarter helped me to start thinking along the lines of, can I be an entrepreneur? And by the end of the quarter, I realized that, yes, I still really loved the general management piece, but there is this side, this entrepreneurship side that I would really like to explore. I then went on to explore private equity. Um, I took a private equity class. I took uh, the entrepreneurial finance class with Rob Siegel this quarter. And that is really about the funding process within VCs. So what was most important to me, I still got to get a lot of the foundational general management skills. But I think what the more important classes were the ones that exposed me to new areas. The private equity class became very important because search funds are like a mini private equity portfolio anyway. The entrepreneurial finance class became really important because when you think about how you fund for and get investors and how you think about investors, that's a very important class. And then, of course, there's the search fund class itself where you get to see and hear from people who were in exactly your shoes and their thought process and how this, how, how their process unwound, unwound over time. So for me, the great classes were not the ones I thought I was coming for. They were the ones that I explored that I eventually realized became so interconnected to um, what I'm moving to now. Yeah, that's a great summary. I don't want to say uh, exactly what Rabimbo said. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's interesting because you think about, I'm going to go to Stanford and take all these amazing classes. And there, and there are the, the headline classes out there, headline lectures that you hear about. You know, Jamal and I had the opportunity to take a class with uh, Peter Wendell and Eric Schmidt and uh, Scott Kapoor from Andreessen Horowitz. You know, definitely one of the more challenging classes to get into at the GSB. Was it the best experience they had at the GSB? Probably not, right? And what it comes down to really is it's not one individual class that's going to make your experience here. It's really the tapestry of everything that's going on. And quite frankly, the classes are only one component of that as well. If you step back and think about why did you decide to go back to school, a big component of, is, is, of it is not the classes. You know, in any conversation I ever had, it was always a conversation around you know, anything that is taught at school can be replicated and taught at any other school, which I think is mostly true. Um, not every school can get some of the high profile guests and um, visitors that we do experience here at Stanford, but those aren't the only reason you come to Stanford. It's for the individual sitting in the class next to you. It's for the lecturers that you are um, learning from themselves and relationships that you're building. I think that you know, as I summarize it, there were some amazing classes and there are a lot of hidden gems in the courses that aren't the poster experiences that you think about when you, when you look at Stanford. So there's a good variety there. The other component is really going deep with the, the relationships you can build with your classmates, which I think probably goes without saying, but it's definitely something I think many of us wish we had done more of, particularly ahead of this final quarter that went virtual and it basically uh, ended that opportunity for all of us. I think that's one of the biggest regrets that all of us probably have is not spending more time with others in the cohort sooner. But the last I would say is really being open to opportunities. And I'll, I'll share a quick anecdote with that, which is going into this final virtual quarter, there was a professor that I had just developed a relationship with 
in the winter quarter. And with everything that was going on, I offered to help him out with uh, anything that I could. I said, I know that you already have TAs for your classes for the spring quarter, but let me know what I can do. And it turned out that he actually needed a, an additional TA for one of those classes. And that was, you know, one of the best experiences that I had probably at my time at Stanford. And it came because of an unfortunate circumstance, but also because you know, I put myself out there and offered to help with something and it worked out really well. And it translated into you know, every day that we had class, I could log on 15 minutes early and have five minutes with that incredible professor um, twice a week just to talk about what was going on. And that is something that will stick with me forever. And, you know, it, it becomes a part of the experience here at Stanford and distilling all those learnings down into a couple of quick sentences, very difficult to do. But the key message I would take away is look for uh, diversification within your personal portfolio of how you're spending your time because it won't come from one single class. It won't come from one single classmate or lecturer here at the school. It's going to come from a combination of that. And really, as you get out there and talk more about the ideas, the experiences that you're having and get that diversified feedback from those you're interacting with, that's when things really begin to coalesce, coalesce and come together for you. Wow, David, remember, I wish I had known all this before I came. I think it would have made a huge difference. So. I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> right? This element of you don't know it until you experience it and learn it yourself. And it's hard to really go through because a lot of it comes from the experience itself. Yeah. And you have to go through that to truly understand and appreciate it. If someone had given me all this information ahead of time, it, it would have been much more difficult to digest. So in, in some aspect, I'd say sit back, enjoy the experience, let things happen, but be proactive about trying to make those experience, experiences happen as well. You want to put yourself in a position where you have a much higher likelihood that the percentage of opportunity increases drastically. And the first step in doing that is coming to the MSX program. It's coming to a program like this and surrounding yourself and placing yourself in an environment where those interactions and experiences are increasing or exponentially more likely to happen. Wow. Okay. Thank you, uh, Dave. Thank you, Rovimbo. Uh, we are just now going to ask about uh, our rapid fire questions. This is the fun part of the show. Okay. So the first thoughts that come into your mind, three questions. All right, Dave, favorite piece of GSB jargon? Oh man. GSB jargon. Optimize. Optimize Rovimbo. for everything. <laughs> huh. I guess it doesn't feel like jargon anymore. But every time, every time I talk to, I talk to former GSB alum and, I, and they say, where are you staying? And I say, I'm a JMAC. Everyone first gives me this really blank stare. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jack McDonald Hall. And everyone has a different name. Some call it Jack McDonald Hall. Others call it Highland Hall. And there's still others who say the new building. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, Dave, if you could change one thing about the MSX experience, what would it be? I think you spoke to it, but maybe something different. Oh, this is really simple. Five quarters instead of four, right? It's just one quarter too short. Remember? One, one more quarter. <laughs> one more quarter. I have, to, I have to agree with that. And favorite moment of this year, David, and why? Oh, I mean, in many aspects, it was simply providing an opportunity for me to step away from what I'd done for 11 years. So I, I feel like in many aspects I won before I even got here, but 
I, don't, I think one of my favorite things is I can think back to individual experiences with almost every single person in the cohort that I will take with me. And that's, that's been incredible. Uh, mine would be the East Coast study trip. Um, everyone was on that trip and we had spent a whole summer together. And uh, in our California, um, I guess, California dress style, so jeans and ratty t-shirts. And all of a sudden, (laughs) I think we kind of got to see everyone in their formal attire. And for for a week, I felt like not only was I learning with you all, but I had the privilege to work alongside you. And seeing everyone in their element, being in New York, being together, that was just phenomenal. I think that East Coast trip is such a binding force. And then, of course, the guests you see and everything else, but actually just spending time together. That's an experience I'll take away and really, really wish for you. Yeah, I agree with you, Novembo. That was a very special time. Well, guys, this has been really terrific. You know, you both have been such uh, huge parts of the cohort in the year and uh, so grateful for the time and all the, the wisdom and the insights. And to our listeners, that's all we have for today. Dave Rubimbo, you know, thank you so much as always for, for your graciousness and your insights. And folks, until next time, thanks for tuning in to Real Talk, where we always keep it real. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having us.